The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, we're talking about what physicians need to know about entering private practice. I'm joined today by Dr. Marie Brown, the AMA's Director of Practice Redesign and a professor at Rush University in Chicago. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer, also in Chicago. Dr. Brown, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We know that many private practices have struggled over the last two and a half years during the pandemic, and yet there are reasons that physicians are still drawn to it. I want to start off our conversation by talking about what some of those reasons are and you know, how can physicians determine if private practice is right for them? Absolutely. And thank you for inviting me. Many physicians are drawn to private practice because of the autonomy. I know that that was the reason that I so thoroughly enjoyed my over 25 years in private practice. There wasn't a day that went by that I didn't look forward to seeing my patients. And it was that opportunity to have total control over my schedule, complete control over the staff, and complete control over the experience that my patients uh, received and the care they received. The whole team worked very, very closely together because there was one direction. And my colleague, Dr. Forbes, and I gave our team from the uh, receptionist to the medical assistant to the LPN, we gave that direction and they weren't getting mixed messages. So I think the autonomy is key and prioritizing what is important to you is very important when you're deciding when and what type of practice environment uh, fits your personality and your desire and the environment in which you want to deliver care. So you've got you know those is- uh, issues around autonomy and being able to really tailor the practice environment to what you want. Is there any other way that physicians can figure out if private practice is right for them? Well, I think you need to understand whether it's in your personality to want to deal with some of the administrative burden. There's clearly uh, much more work uh, hiring um, your IT department, um, making sure that uh, income income expenses, um, you know, you, you need to look at all that or at least hire someone to help you with that. And that's, that's a different kind of a team that we usually talk about uh, when we're talking about team-based care in medicine. But in private practice, you need team-based uh, business practice. And having the right team is critical. And the time that we, I was in practice for over, again, 25 years, I had a wonderful team, not full-time IT, uh, not, not a full-time um, uh, HR, but we outsourced um, much of what we did. Um, billing and coding. So we didn't become expert internally. We didn't bring it in into the office, but we outsourced it and shared that resource, whether it's billing or uh, IT with many other practices. And, and you find those wonderful people that you want on that team that you enjoy working with. Uh, you find them by talking to your other colleagues who might be using them as well. I can tell by just how you're talking and your memories of your own private practice that this issue of professional satisfaction and well-being 
uh, underlie, uh, you know, uh, uh, a big part of that. How how does one take those factors into consideration and talk about your own personal experience? Well, it has always been such a wonderful privilege to be a physician and to be able to dedicate as much time as our patients needed was of paramount importance. I wanted to give to my patients whatever time was required. I I wanted to make that decision. If somebody always needed 40 minutes because they had numerous problems or needed to share a, a tremendous amount of uh, personal information or challenges with social determinants of health, I could tell my staff to schedule them for, for 40 minutes or an hour. Uh, so I think that knowing your patients and being able to tailor your schedule to their needs gave me great joy. Now, my spouse and I are both physicians, and we raised three wonderful daughters. And I remember the first day I went to uh, my, my daughter started school, uh, the school uh, handed me the, her schedule. And I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, I already have a job. But I was able to go back to my receptionist and say, here's the school schedule for the next nine months. If they have a day off or a teacher's day off, don't schedule patients. And uh, if the, in high school, when they ran track, if it was a, a track meet uh, once or twice a month, I, I saw patients on those other Saturdays uh, so that I could make it to my, my daughter's track meets. So that gave me great joy because that work-life balance was totally under my control. And that is incredibly important. Um, when you, you look at the bigger picture, there's a lot of concern about the long-term sustainability of private practice. Why do you think it's so important uh, to medicine that we do sustain that? It is a trend, and I, I worry. Uh, I think we all worry about it. When the focus and the mission of the practice is anything other than delivering great quality care, that's a problem. If it's a profit-only mission, if that's, the, if that's the ultimate goal, that causes me great moral distress. And I see my colleagues who are under pressure to refer more or to do imaging or to see more patients when they know that they could give much greater quality care if they had more time to develop the trust, which is so critical now especially when we're trying to get our population vaccinated, especially when we know that 50% of our patients don't take their chronic meds as prescribed. The only way to approach that is to spend more time and build trust, not see more patients and make the patients feel like they're just part of a product line. So for the population health, that one-on-one -on -one relationship between the physician and the patient is ideally uh, organized around what the physician and the patient need because they both want the same thing. The number one driver of physician satisfaction is being able to give great quality care. And that's what patients want. Patients want the undivided attention of their physician. So we wanna move from a solution uh, shop uh, 
rather than a product line shop, as uh, Dr. Krasinski just wrote in a nice piece in the New England Journal of Medicine. That takes time and undivided attention, uh, which you can deliver, I believe, more easily when the physician is in control of the schedule and knows, and the whole team knows their patients. And there's one goal, and that is to deliver great patient care. Well, speaking of uh, resources from the AMA, uh, the folks here have developed and introduced recently a playbook for private practice. Let's talk a little bit about what's in it and how it can help. Yes, this is a wonderful open access free tool to all, uh, easily downloadable, and it highlights the important aspects of private practice that we don't learn in medical school, right? We don't get a business degree, uh, but it highlights what you need to know. And if you don't know, how to find somebody who will help you. So you build your business team. And it also uh, highlights how to build your clinical team, um, the types of insurance you need, uh, the kind of coding and, and vendors understanding the complexities of uh, of coding and billing in this day and age. So it is in one concise uh, playbook that doesn't have all the answers, but it really is actionable and helps you understand what you need to do and helps you find out how to do it. And you can find that playbook just by going to the AMA site and searching for private practice playbook. And take a look at that. We'll try to include some information down at the bottom here of the screen uh, so you can find that as well. Um, Dr. Brown, private practices are, of course, like many other small businesses, like you've been talking, you need a, you need a business team in addition to the healthcare team to help maintain uh, financially healthy practice and to do what they do best, which is provide quality care to patients. What do physicians need to think about from a business perspective in starting a practice and how does the playbook help? Well, you need to think about a lot of things and uh, the playbook has listed uh, what those things are, starting with where do you want to practice? What are the demographics? Uh, how do you assess whether there's a need? How do you decide whether you're going to rent uh, or purchase a building? Um, how to approach uh, developing an EHR or how to actually begin getting credentialed. Um, when do you start? Do you need three or six months? Do you need to be credentialed federally? Do you need to be credentialed at the local hospital? Do you need to be credentialed with each payer? These are things that we don't learn in medical school or residency um, that the AMA and the Practice Sustainability Unit has laid out and developed and the playbook is an overview, but it links you to wonderful resources that the AMA has developed to help you achieve those goals and to, to, to do it right and do it smart. That is a lot to worry about. And then that gets you to the place where physicians want to be, which is thinking more about patient care. Um, when you think about setting up a, uh, the right situation for patient care in a private practice, what... What are some of the things maybe folks don't think about at the top level uh, when they're, they're going through that? Well, I think the a part of the business the plan, of course, is the coding and the billing. Uh, but the other is who does the patient meet when they first 
enter your office. Uh, what is that experience like, whether you call that a, a clerk or a receptionist or uh, uh, the scheduler? That is their first interaction. That's going to set the tone for the entire experience for the patient. And what I discovered was that having that scheduler be on the same page as the physicians and the medical assistants and the nurses and the LPNs and all working as a team with tremendous respect across uh, the entire team, the patients feel that. They know that, um, and it's a much more seamless and wonderful experience for the patient. Medicine doesn't stand still, and at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. So knowing that there's a cohesive, uh, there's a face to the voice if they call, it's not a, a distant call center, uh, that they know that the person they're speaking with has the ear of the physician if they if they need to to reach the physician immediately, and recognizing uh, that the entire experience from when the patient parks the car that's something else to think about where's parking, or are you on a bus route, uh, parks the car to entering um, the waiting room um, and then being brought back to the examining room. Uh, that whole experience should should feel like they're all just seeing uh, a member of a really cohesive team. Um, and the other interesting thing that that I found most impactful was being being able to choose my own uh, team teammate that I worked shoulder to shoulder with. So I worked with a uh, a wonderful LPN for thirty years. And she knew what I was thinking. I knew what, what she was thinking. Uh, the patients knew if they talked with her, it was kind of like talking with me and vice versa. Um, and sometimes they preferred to speak with her um, about a concern or a question. Um, I also had a patient who uh, was very proudly accompanied by her daughter. And she, she bragged that her daughter had a couple of nursing classes under her belt already. And I looked at this uh, young woman and I said, well, what are you doing now? And it ended up that we hired her as a medical assistant, uh, worked with her now for 20 years. And many people don't know, but one of our toolkits um, entitled Medical Assistant Recruitment and Retention, after working with me and me training her uh, on the on site, after five years, she qualified to sit for the uh, medical assistant certification exam and became certified and now works as a uh, certified MA at Rush University. So training your own team to uh, deliver the care and know the protocols, what patient education you want, uh, when and where and how um, is totally under uh, the physician's control in private practice. And the other wonderful thing is that if you want, if something isn't working, you can change it very quickly. Um, but always keep in mind that you're doing it with your team and not, you know, completely top down mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, it is it is team based care is medicine today. Absolutely. Um, we've talked a lot about the setting up part. 
but it's never really too early to think about growth and uh, having a vision of where you want to take your practice down the road. What do you think are some of the things that physicians can do to help grow their practices in the future? Well, I think that's a that's a great question, and I think that there may be a movement over the next few years uh, from being employed uh, to back to private practice for for many of the reasons that we discussed that autonomy uh, and that ability to change and improve your practice quickly without it going through committee and waiting, uh, you know, nine to twelve months for for someone else's stamp of approval. Uh, a lot of it is word of mouth, meeting the uh, physicians on staff at your local hospital, uh, meeting for coffee, getting to know them, because you want to know who I'm I'm an internist. I want to know uh, personally who the cardiologists are. I want to develop a relationship with them and their team so that uh, when I refer a patient, it's, it's because I know them and my patients know that I know them. So a lot of it is word of mouth and meeting your colleagues. Another interesting way that I sort of fell into was in my community, people asked me if I would volunteer at the local American Cancer Society or the uh, American Heart Association or the American Diabetes Association. You don't need to be an endocrinologist. You don't need to be a cardiologist. These are really advocacy. Some of these are advocacy and there are not many non-physician members. And it's a wonderful opportunity uh, because they're always looking for speakers at community events, and you're also networking with people outside of your, you know, in, in your medical world. Um, social media, we cannot uh, underplay the social media is extremely important. We know that it has positive effects and negative effects, but using it appropriately or relying on someone on your team uh, to, to look at your website, um, and maybe have a Facebook page or whatever uh, social media you want to use so that patients uh, can find you uh, and can see what type of practice. Uh, many organizations put a video up of, uh, so that they can hear and see uh, the physician and maybe their team members before they even walk into the office. And, and then the, the patient knows whether it probably will be a good fit or not. A lot of those activities sound more like my job but it just points out how much there is to think about uh, in running a private practice and how exciting the opportunity is. There's a lot more in the private practice playbook that we could, could not get in today. Again, find that uh, by going to the AMA site and searching for private practice playbook. Dr. Brown, thanks so much for being here today and for all the work that you and the team do to support physicians in private practice. We'll be back with another Moving Medicine episode and podcast soon, find all of our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. Please take care. This has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. I'm Todd Unger, and this is Moving Medicine.